the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So he summoned his master's debtors one by one, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And he answered, A hundred drugs of olive oil. And he said, Take your bill, sit down quickly and make it fifty. And then he asked another, How much do you owe? And he replied, A hundred containers of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends of yourself by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If, if then you who have not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, you may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you come to us with stories in the Bible that confuse us so that we can study and learn and question and figure out what you are telling us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, it's one of those wonderful texts that we get this time of the year almost every year. But what does it mean? We are to serve God or mammon, God or money. So the first thing is what I just shared with the kids, the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. That's where we start when we deal with money. And the second place where we deal with money is 
the text on tithing. We are to give 10% to God plus gifts plus offerings. Why 10%? You know, why not 90%? 10% is enough to get our attention. 10%, when we give it as the Bible says, the first gift to God, the tithe. We learn then that everything we have comes from God by giving that gift. Then we get the story of the dishonest manager, the dishonest steward. Quite often, when I hit one of these texts, I always start at the end. And the end says, is it God or money? And then you work your way back up. And it, for me, it clarifies things, if you know what the answer is. And if you want to do a little study on your own, read the next, I think it's three verses. Look in your Bible, it's a paragraph. Start there and read your way up. It's talking about God and what God thinks is important and money and what we think is important. So it's a story, and it's a weird story. And I'm going to ask you to assume that the story made sense to the people that were with Jesus. So I'm going to explain a little bit what the story entails, what's going on, why it made sense. So it starts out like any farming community, with going to the bank for a loan to get your crops for next year. Except there were no banks. So you went to someone who was rich, and you wrote out a contract. The purchaser wrote out the contract not the seller. Because if there was dispute, then they could say, it's written right here in your handwriting that you borrowed this money and you were going to pay it back. You were going to pay back the oil. You were going to pay back the wheat. You're going to pay back what you owe. So that's why the dishonest manager goes to each one of them and has them them rewrite the bill. The manager, dishonest manager, is representing the rich man, and the people rewrite their bill. It's dishonest, but it's legal. Okay. So why is that important? 
Why is it important that the document be legal? Or at least look legal? The world of Jesus is about honor and shame. So in that first century world, money was their importance to give the person honor and to not do something wrong and cause shame. So the money was a means to get honor. Money could buy respect. I think sometimes today money is still being used to buy respect. So a number of things could cause dishonor for the rich man. Two of them in this story are the dishonest manager and taking back a gift. The rich man had given wheat and oil. And if he came back and said, no, it's not 50, it's 100 jugs of oil, he would be taking it back. The next layer in the story. The rich man hears that his manager is squandering his riches. And he wants to see the books. A lot of the commentators say that the manager may not have been doing anything illegal up to this point, and that the grapevine, the gossip grapevine, was working overtime, and that he was being falsely accused. But he doesn't stay innocent very long. He does his fraud. He quickly rewrites many contracts so that he would have an honor gift from the people that he changed their bills with. So, he has now supported himself. The rich man comes maybe from Jerusalem and he goes out to the country where the farms are and he finds out that his manager is really popular. Yeah, he just took all their bills and cut them in half. He is really popular. And that if he tries to do anything, he will be dishonest. So the rich man is stuck between a rock and a hard place. If he fires the manager, then he will be rewriting the contracts and he will be dishonoring his word because his manager signed the contracts. And the people will dishonor the rich man because he has gone back on his word. So the story works. 
It's probably a real story. And the people like it. I mean, they're poor people, and, and this rich guy's getting rooked out of his money and his power. And he's trapped, and they think it's funny. They think that seeing the rich man trapped in his own world is funny. Sort of like a politician. A politician respects someone that outmaneuvers him, even though the experience may not be enjoyable. So what do we have left? We have a story that is confusing. We have an ending that says you can only serve God or money. So what's the good news? What's the next layer in the story that has good news for us? It has to do with the manager making new relations with the people and his boss. So the next layer of good news is a relationship. At the beginning of the story, there are lots of strange, estranged relationships. The employer and the employee, he's coming to fire him. The debts that are great and the debtors that are forgiven. So we are ending with this strange story that talks about reconciling relationships and canceled debt. No, it's not an honest story. There's a lots of crookedness going on. But people that were in debt had their debts forgiven. The manager found a relationship that would keep him alive. And the rich man found that he was back to his original contract that he thought he was signing. So the point is, Jesus is trying to teach us about money and relationships, and our relationships with money. The manager was invited into the homes. He wasn't trying to rob the workers. The boss saw that he had compassion for his people, and so he said he was creative and gave, praised him. But the Pharisees, remember how this story starts? And the Pharisees who are lovers of money, they don't get it. They understood if we have lots of money, God loves us. And if we don't have money, then God doesn't love us. But Jesus is saying in this strange story, some things are more important than wealth. 
our confusion explains that we too don't understand God. We understand fairness and we understand debts and we understand making the balanced book balanced. But it doesn't come out fair in this story. And that's the point. The kingdom of God has very little to do with fairness. The kingdom of God is about relationships. It's about being here. It's about knowing what Christ has done. It's about reconciliation with God and us. It's about forgiving our debts as we forgive those who debt us. It's not an easy story. It's not an easy thing to live. It doesn't make economic sense. And it just doesn't make sense. But that's the kingdom of God. God comes to earth and takes on flesh as a baby. It doesn't make sense that God would come to flesh. It doesn't make sense that God claims me, claims you, as his own. It doesn't make sense that God would invite us to the table of grace or the action of grace. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would do all he could for the people that nailed him on the cross. It doesn't make sense that the tomb would be empty or that disciples, all disciples, from Jesus' day to us, all disciples, when we break bread, we are announcing that Christ is alive. So we can't serve both God and wealth. That's the bottom line. That's the last line in our text. We can't love God and money. How do we, how do we balance that out? We have to work. We pay rent or mortgages. We buy shoes. We buy school supplies for the kids. Oh yeah, and maybe we want to retire someday. How do we balance that out with serving God? We start by understanding that money has a spiritual side. And if we don't figure that out, our spirits will suffer. Amen.